thoughts from uh, our gospel reading very quickly. I've entitled my sermon today, The Light of Christmas. Because, you know, uh, it's always um, uh, wonderful to have Christmas lights. But uh, today's reading, as you may well have seen by now, is not your traditional Christmas depiction, right? There's no nativity scene, there's no manger, there are no animals, there are no shepherds, wise men, gifts, you know, no holy family at all. Instead, what we read in John's Gospel in chapter 1 is really uh, the Christmas backstory. It tells us uh, the why of Christmas, not so much as what happened at Christmas. In particular, it tells us... Yeah, that's it. Okay. I think uh, you'll have to help me. Uh, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That is Jesus. Lights are a big part of Christmas. I think we've already seen all the light up. And we know, you know, the Orchard Red light up has been uh, a, a feature for Singapore. We've seen tourists coming back and many people will go down to look at it. But now we've got gardens by the bay as I showed pictures to the children earlier. But uh, it's significant because, um, you know, we live in a world of darkness. In verse 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 17th, 18th century in Western civilization was a period called the Enlightenment. And it was a period that marked, was marked with scientific progress. When, um, you know, in human knowledge began to grow, they began to think, you know, let's have less and less to do with religion. And we don't really need all these things because they seem to be uh, less important in life. And they believed in the enlightenment that as humanity progressed, things would get better and better and better. You know, we won't uh, have wars any longer. We'll no longer have disease or problems or all the things which uh, humanity had faced up to this point of time. Lance Morrow in his book on evil said this, It is doubtful that the idea of progress can ever be restored to the innocent prestige of the Enlightenment. Progress now implies the danger of a simultaneous endarkment. We know that with progress, not only have they found better medicines, they've also found better weapons better ways to kill each other, so that the devastation's even greater than it was before. You know, in the last century, 20th century, there have been more wars and genocides than in the previous uh, uh, 2,000 years of, or, or thousands of years of human history. That's progress for you. That's not so much light. But the reality is that the darkness is not just outside us. The darkness is also within us. You know, if we are honest about ourselves, we look deep within and we find that we are not the people we <laughs> portray ourselves to be. Most of the time we say, yeah, I'm pretty good. But there is a darkness that hides within. It reminds me of a story of a little boy who was writing a letter to God and hoping to get, you know, good uh, uh, presents and say, God, I've been a good boy for the last six months. And he thought and thought about it. He cancelled out six Three months, thought and thought about it, and he cancelled it out. One month. Then as he thought some more, he noticed on the mom's uh, table there was a nativity scene. And he went there and he took baby Jesus and he rewrote his letter. God, if you ever want to see your son again, 
You know, and that's the darkness that hides within each and every one of us. But in verse 5, it points out that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, Christmas tells us that God sends His light to overcome the darkness, not just outside of us, but definitely inside of us. In the 19th century, a pastor by the name of Philip Brooks, who was an Anglican pastor from Philadelphia, took a tour of Jerusalem. And December 1865, he happened to be in Bethlehem and he you know, enjoyed himself tremendously, so much so that when he went back, he wrote this hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, How still we see thee lie, Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, Thy silent stars go by. Yet in the dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. He recognized that, you know, the hope of the world, the hope of uh, getting through the darkness is Jesus Christ. That Jesus meets all our hopes and all our fears. In Him, everything uh, uh, comes together. I don't know how many of you are Christians, or even if you are not a Christian, have you ever found yourself in conversation about God? You know, talking about God doesn't always help because not always is it a very pleasant uh, uh, subject. Powerful God can be a very fear-inducing character or figure. This is the picture of God the Father or a sculpture in, in Italy. <laughs> and he does not look as a very approachable God, does he? In reality, that's the uh, image many of us have. You know, it's an instant conversation killer. You ever gather with friends, Lim Kopi, you know, talk about all kinds of things. You can talk about World Cup and say, oh, Argentina didn't deserve to win. It should have been... Uh, uh, France, you know, they played a much better game or whatever the case may be. Or you may be talking about politics or maybe talking about... And everyone's fine with the conversation. Try and interject and say, hey, have any one of you thought about God? <laughs> you know, instantly, all conversation ceases. Unless you happen to have a very religious group down there, but that's more the exception than it is the rule. And, you know, it's because there is this fear of God. The Bible tells us in verse 11, he says, He came to his own. God in Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And that's been uh, throughout history the reality. You know, not of you, because you are here, and obviously it's not an issue for you. That's why you are here in church on Christmas Day. But as we reflect on Christmas Day, we recognize that ultimately, what happened at that first Christmas is that God, who is the Word, the, the um, logical principle which orders the universe, the word logos is what is used in John's Gospel and translated here as the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That the God that we as Christians worship is not an impersonal God. He's a God who loves us. He is God with us. He called himself Emmanuel. Jesus was known as Emmanuel. And you know, that's kind of the reason why I really love Christmas. Christmas is such a wonderful time, not because of the presents or the gifts or the lights, although those things are all nice, but because 
you know, when we understand that God humbled himself and came to us as a baby. Now, I don't know if any of you are scared of babies. I hope not. None of us. <laughs> Most of us love babies. Baby Noah, well, he's not quite a baby anymore, newborn. But, you know, he's a joy to hold and to have. He doesn't threaten us. This is precisely what the reformer Martin Luther pointed out. He said this, Reason in his Christmas sermon, Reason and will would ascend and seek above. But if you would have joy, bend yourself down to this place, where you will find that boy given for you who is your creator, lying in a manger. I will stay with that boy as he sucks, is washed, and dies. There is no joy but in this boy. Take him away, and you face the majesty which terrifies. Take him away, and you see a wrathful, vengeful God, like that statue I showed you. I know of no God but this one in the manger. And that's precisely what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. You know, all the prophets pointed towards God, talking about his son coming into the world. The one who created the world came to be part of the world. And it says there in verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 1, He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. If you want to know God, know Jesus, because Jesus is the exact image of God. I conclude with this verse which was read uh, last night at our Christmas Eve service, which we had quite a full crowd, and that's why we had a little bit reduced today. But it said in uh, the prophet of, uh, prophecy of Isaiah, over six, 700 years before Christ arrived, he said this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. The second to last verse of uh, old little town of Bethlehem says this, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No ear may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. I hope that this Christmas, your meek soul will receive Jesus so that Jesus may enter into your life as the light of the world to dispel the darkness that you face. And uh, incidentally, after the service, we always have a time of prayer. If any of you would like prayer for anything at all, we invite you to stay behind. And uh, those of us on staff will pray with you if you need it. But let's bow our heads in prayer as we continue with the service. And allow me to use the final verse of this hymn as our prayer. Jesus, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the glad great glad tidings tell. O come to us, Abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people say, Amen.
Children of light, let us stand as we declare our faith. 